Good morning, good evening, Matthew Grant here, and this week we are recording in the UK, but with some guests in from the US. Technology comes in many forms, some of it is very visible and accessible, like OpenAI and ChatGPT, for example, but a lot of the important technology is busy working away out of sight and usually out of mind. And as you'll know, if you've been listening to us regularly, many of the most successful companies are those that are building out this critical infrastructure. Well, Richard Tyler, founder and CEO of Finsys, has a story similar to many of our guests. He worked in insurance, got frustrated by the lack of a technology solution that didn't give him what he wanted as a business user, so he built a company. And as you'll hear, he learned quite a lot on the way and seems to be doing quite well. Eric, Richard, great to have you. You've you come over, I don't say specially for today, but I, I know you've got a few other things going on. Eric, you've flown in this morning, so uh, our challenge is to uh, not put you to sleep today because I know you're probably at some horrible time. Yeah, I've flown this morning from New York. We actually have a, uh, a client event tomorrow at Hurlingham, which is why I came over, but also to uh, to join you here today. I'm just going to give a bit of overview to Francis, and we're going to learn a little bit more about what you've been doing over the last few years. So you've built a platform of software tools to optimize and automate the financial function of insurance businesses, and you're improving their financial accounting, regulated reporting, and analytical processes. You're working with insurance and broking businesses from startups all the way to some major companies. We'll be talking about some of those. Richard Tarlett, you're CEO and you're a founder. You've had a background of working directly in and for insurers and technologies. And Eric Butler, you're head of America's Bermuda, and you founded Finsys back in 2010, Richard, which means you are definitely in our Survivor series. And interestingly, uh, you're also entirely self-funded. So a bit more to cover, but anything significant I missed in there we should get up front? No, I don't think so. But really coming from a background in insurance and finance, financial systems, it was really the seeing that and thinking, how could a lot of that stuff that I was doing at Chubb and then at Ace actually support the rest of the insurance market in how they're trying to automate the processing of data? Yeah, I love it. You would have been a customer of your own company, if that makes sense. And you decided somebody else wasn't doing it well enough, so uh, build a company yourself. It's an easy business model. Take someone else's ideas. Well, you say it's easy, but we all know it's pretty hard. Uh, and Eric, what about you? You were working for one of the large system integrators out there, and, and now you've gone to a slightly smaller company. So I spent uh, several years at Capgemini in their insurance practice, uh, moving over to build up the U.S. and Bermuda-based business here. So I've been with Finsys now over four years. And we're recording this in the UK, but you are both actually based in, in the US. Richard, what was it that took you over to the, to the US? So I went to the US via Bermuda, so two and a half years in Bermuda. But it was really to build out what we had done in London, predominantly the London market, where there was still that same opportunity in Bermuda and then the US to work with a number of different insurers. And the US market, there are similarities, but there's also some differences. And other areas in terms of, you know, getting into the broking space, a lot of the MGA type business, a lot of it comes through to the London market. So you can do the entire sort of insurance lifecycle through our system. For those that aren't familiar with Finsys, how do you summarize what you actually do? What problem are you solving for insurers? So it's really about the processing of data from point of entry all the way through the sort of financial process, data manipulation, utilization of data for actuarial modeling, financial reporting, etc. Whether that be internal management, statutory reporting, and making it that process is just seamless and straightforward for people to understand how that one transaction then supports all of those different reporting needs across the entire enterprise. And you said before, you, you left your safe job, is any safe job safe, to go and found a company. But what were the kind of problems you had before that led you to go and decide to build a company to solve the problems? 
being an employee, I always struggled with being, you know, well behaved. But it was it was really about the piece where you could see what companies were trying to achieve, but they were still very much in sort of Excel processing, access databases, all this world of building things that weren't scalable, that couldn't adapt. And so it was a way of going out there and actually building these processes and systems that we could actually could be utilized across all of these companies with a very simple code beneath them. Don't take this the wrong way, but I don't think you were like a big technical person. When you, no, so I'm still, still not. I mean, that's a big step. It's a big step to go and start a company, but to go and build a technology company when you'd be more of a practitioner. Yeah, so it was, it was about finding the right partner. So I partnered with a guy called Charlie Penwell, who was the tech behind it. He and I had worked together for a number of years, working with some of the customers we work with now. And I always had the vision of what I wanted to achieve from a tech perspective, as well as from a finance perspective. But he was then gave me the ability to realize that and build it into action. So our, our recruitment since then has all been about recruiting people who have finance, insurance and tech. And so it's that combination of those skills where you can have a conversation with people where the tech person understands enough about finance and insurance and the insurance and finance people understand enough about tech to have a sort of a good conversation. I've just had an aha moment. I've just worked out what FinSys stands for. It's finance and systems. Is that right? Well done. <laughs> it's only taken you a few years. <laughs> it's a PH that confused FIN me. had gone, so I had to go with PH. We've got a bit of video going on here, but we're not using PowerPoint slides. How do you bring this to life for people if you want them to create a mental image of what FinSys looks like when they're using it in their job? I always want them to be thinking about what are the outputs that they want to be able to support them doing their business and not really worry too much about what happens in between. We've taken our understanding of all of the inputs from various sort of policy admin systems, claim systems, etc., taking that data through and then turning it into all the data they need to analyze. So whether it's going through the earnings processes, the calculation allocation of IBNR, the ledger sort of integration piece of turning it into double entry journals, all of those things are just the outputs of a clever process that we've built that automates that as much as possible and streamlines that entire processing window. For those people that don't speak insurance, IBNR means incurred but not reported. But actually that might not still mean anything to people, so perhaps you might just explain what that means in practice. Claims that have happened, but no one yet knows about. Oh, okay. The known unknowns or unknown knowns. And then when you walk in to see a prospective client, who gets most excited when you show them what you can do? Who are your buyers? Yeah, I'd struggle to describe any of them getting particularly excited. <laughs> but yeah, it's the CFO type and financial controllers. They like it because it possibly goes and gets rid of a problem for them, which is the ability to see their data accurately, etc. The person who can get excited but also gets dismayed possibly is the CIO, where we might have taken away part of their job for what they were doing. But then at that point, they may have messed this up a couple of times. They might also have a sense of relief that someone's coming in who's actually done this before at other places and can actually really help them go through and build out a solution that they can then go on and maintain and enhance themselves as they go through, plus also receiving our enhancements as we develop them for them and for other customers. But there is a big shift, isn't there, now that the buyer is increasingly the user and the CIO, CTO is often brought in at some point. But to your point there, I'm suspecting if they are a bit relieved, they might not want to admit that straight away. Because How do you win them over early in the process so they don't immediately kill the sale? It's really about the process of them understanding that we are providing an accelerator to them looking good 
So this becomes part of their IT strategy. And depending on how much they want to take on, they can have a level of involvement in the project that's pretty significant, with their teams expected to be able to support and run this going forward and to come up with their own ideas on how they want this to process for them. So it's very much a framework that we're putting in that delivers a solution straight off the shelf, but it can be configured to how they want it to work from a business perspective and for how they want it to run as an IT organization supporting their business and what they need. I mean, how do you get in front of these people? How do you find their clients or how do they find out? That's why people like Eric. Yeah, so it's really different in, in different markets. In Bermuda, people are much more interested in hearing what their counterparties are doing at other companies. So they're interested in hearing what we've done at, let's say, Ariel Re. So getting in and talking to other insurers based in Bermuda because of that relationship is easy. Not so much so in the U.S. I think the U.S. is long-term relationship driven. So you can leverage in Bermuda the relationships a lot more than you can in the U.S. You find that in the Lloyds and London market as well. So the U.S., it's a lot of calling on the CIOs and the CFOs, sending out the press releases, going to events, just getting your name out there as much as possible. Well, certainly in Bermuda, you've got a bit less far to travel as well to go and, uh, and see people. In London, you can go across the street. In the U.S., you've got to jump on an airplane. And then, Richard, I want to come back to a bit more about the applications. One of the things I know you do is ETL, extract and transform load. It's really the piece about being able to take data out of multiple source systems. Being able to transform that data into a conformed data model and dealing with what we'll call dimensional transformation. And what that really means is that we want to be able to show data as it was, as it is, and as it would have been, which is really the three different slices that you want as someone from the business wants to see everything as it is now. The finance people want to see it as it was at a point in time. And the actuaries often want to see things as it would have been. So if we'd had that contract recorded at the right time or this um, line of business mapping had been in force at that point in time, I want to be able to see things as they would have been if we had all that information that we have now. So sort of perfect hindsight type viewing. And it's really about that whole transformation piece that really makes this key. And then we're loading that data through into the warehouse. And now you have all of that information conformed, even if there are multiple different systems as the sources. So bringing together premium information with claims information with expenses, you're bringing it all into that same model. So you can see the entire buildup of your sort of P&L result from all sources. And it's pretty much all financial data, isn't it? So you don't have the challenge that a lot of insurers have where they just can't even get to the data. It's there. It's just what you're doing is helping bring it together in a way that's a bit more coherent. So a lot of the focus is what we do from a finance perspective. So there's a number of, sort of attributes and fields you need from a financial reporting perspective. So accounting periods and then class of business, underwriting years, things like that. But we also then provide for a lot of our customers a lot more breadth than that. So every single transaction by every attribute of policy or claim is held within the system. So it gives a very wide range for management information and analysis. And if anybody else is to go and try and build a competitive defense system, what's the big barrier to, to doing that in the way you've described it? A lot of people go off and they build warehouses. And that's useful for its own thing. But but it's then being able to join together the technology that you need for warehousing and all the ideas that you need for doing effective financial reporting. Bringing those two things together is very difficult. And then just a bit more about the technology platform. We covered a little bit, but again, trying to bring this to life for people. 
but you know, in a scale of sort of a spectrum of you can take the FinSys application and link it into what's already there and it's relatively straightforward versus it needs some expensive heavy duty system integrations to where are you on that spectrum? So we've generally made our sourcing of data to bring it through as simple as possible. Whether it's through taking data through APIs straight through into our world, landing data from other source systems through database extracts, etc. We find it pretty easy to bring in the data. There's then a chunk of data modeling that you have to go through to map it into a, a good data model for the insurance companies. But that's really where all of that experience comes in, in terms of we've worked with tons of different source systems, homegrown plus market-wide type systems. So we have all of the ETL that we've built against those already sitting there. And then we've got data models, which are a very good starting point for the majority of our customers. But they can be amended to meet that particular customer's needs. So we sort of shorten the life cycle of getting data from source into a target model by that experience and having a number of customer implementations that we've already worked on. And as you're talking there, just thinking about your point earlier about building the team, being a startup, how have you found it encouraging people to join you that have presumably, well, they do have choices to go and work somewhere else, somewhere more established. I mean, how do you encourage people to come and work for you versus... I somehow make it sound a bit interesting. It's amazing. It's very interesting in that a lot of the things that we've been doing since 2010, a lot of companies now are doing. So we always had entirely flexible working in terms of location, time in the office. Everyone was, has always been able to go and work out what's right for them as individuals to work through that. We also have a lot of variety with all of our work and our projects, working with multiple different customers, working in areas where we have a great experience and our customers often don't have that same experience. So there's a lot of thought leadership and getting people to understand how you know best to do these things. So a good variety from that perspective. And working with a very bright group of people to go through and and actually learn things and build stuff together that actually benefits, you know, everyone down the road. But you also mentioned before that some software just becomes too successful and then people get stuck. I sort of understand that, but can you explain a bit more? Yeah, so I've, I've worked also alongside insurance companies. I worked at a tech company. And I think what, what happens is that they stop investing in the technology because they've just got this nice recurring license fee and it's all very successful. And then it becomes a bit of a sort of cliff edge when that technology becomes completely legacy and distant past. And so I've always felt that the key thing to keep on doing with a tech company is to stay pretty constant with the tech. You don't want to be completely you know, bleeding edge and very high risk, but you want to keep your tech up to date so you're just getting a great deal of benefits for your clients and your clients know that they're not going to be suddenly 10 years down the line with a set of tech that is just past its sell-by date that you really need to go and reinvest in everything. Technical debt is, is the term people would use more generally. But I think as you also say that, it, it's a reminder to me that I think I've been long enough now that I, companies that were originally those like sort of entrepreneurial breaking or, or rethinking how people are doing business have now <laughs> get accused about being legacy companies. So it is, it's a, 12 years, 13 years in business, you're not quite on the legacy. No, business not quite. Yet. Yeah. We try and stay pretty consistent across our customer base with that technology, but also for them to know where we're heading so they can actually be, okay, yeah, this is fine. This is keeping in line with our own requirements internally as to what we're doing from a tech perspective. And talk about customers, you mentioned Ariel before. You just issued a press release talking about what you're doing. Ariel might be useful to say a few words about that. We've been working with Ariel for a little while. 
on building out the integration of all of their data from the source systems to build out the finance data warehouse to support their reporting. Initially, it was also to support their application for a aerial managing agency after the um, buyout from Argo. They've been able to now go through, create their managing agency and start pulling all of that data through our systems so they can support all their financial reporting. And as they scale as a business, the solution grows with them as they're, they're going through and building that out. So there's a lot of automating, a lot of stuff they were doing previously, but automating that and giving them the ability to grow. And a few other names as well. I saw uh, you've got CNA, obviously big US insurance company with um, operations, some Lloyd's syndicates over in the UK. Atrium I saw on there. Markel, another big US organization with international coverage. Any other companies that you can share? Yeah, I mean, I think some of those that you've mentioned are quite interesting ones as examples. So CNA and Hardy, which are now obviously one and the same, and Atrium were two of our sort of initial source companies that we worked with. So they um, very much helped us in terms of being those first companies that we could implement the software with. They helped us from that perspective. Markel is a much newer company that has joined us. And we're building out their whole London market pieces of systems, plus then the national markets, which is all their sort of European, Canadian, and more UK retail side of things, is um, is dealing with all of those. And then we've got you know new startup companies, so the likes of Conduit in Bermuda, which is part of that sort of 21 class of reinsurers that started. So we have a mixture of them. I mean, a lot of these companies are sort of on our website as just people that we work with. We've got a lot of case studies. Hamilton is a great example of someone where we started work on the London market. We've then gone to the US business. We've gone to the Bermuda business for them. So you're dealing with companies where they've been able to use the same solution across multiple different geographies with us putting in enough local stuff in there that it meets all their local requirements, but keeping a standard across the group that means that you have standardized processes and reporting across all sides of the group. That point about Starting in London is best known for a specialty business. Even that has got so much variety in it. it. It means you've sort of got to get it right across lots of different lines of business, which then presumably was the reason you're able to expand into the US and yeah. tackle some other problems. Yeah, and a lot of businesses that we deal with have syndicates plus branch-based business plus US businesses. So you have a whole group. And then across insurance and reinsurance, having gone into the MGA space and broking space, yeah, we really have a broad spectrum of clients in the U.S. So building off of what we did for Hamilton, we did something really similar with Ascot. We have a client called Signal Mutual. We have a specialty insurer out on the West Coast, Palomar. It's a relatively new one. We have NFP, which is a, one of the top 10 brokers uh, in the U.S. I think it's really important to have a U.S. presence, which is, you know, which is why we've built out the U.S. office. We've hired over a, a team recently to help on the uh, on the implementation side across the US. So just having that local team and the referenceability in the US is going to continue to help us grow there. Uh, we touched on competitors earlier on, but but if you look out there as the organizations you might feel are competing, organizations that are competing with you, where, where do you sort of position yourselves relative to other choices that companies might have? This is an interesting one because I think our biggest competitors are when insurance companies are trying to build this internally themselves. They have the technology, but they, they're they lacking that bit about, you know, 
how do we get this right from a finance perspective? How do we get it right from an audit perspective? Building a warehouse in itself is fairly straightforward, but it's the other bits that Fincis does, bringing in the actuaries, bringing in finance, making sure all of that data is there to satisfy all of those parties. I think that's what the companies are missing. And then they tend to come back to us after they've gone down their three-year path to build out uh, their warehouse and their financial solution, spend millions of dollars, and then they circle back to us afterwards. Right, you don't say, I tell you so. But you must have seen quite a big difference, I suspect, Richard, in the last 12, 13 years, just the increasing availability of modular systems and this whole build versus buy choice. So what might have been a bit more of a challenge if you go back 10 years now, I mean, APIs have been around now for over 20 years. But if you wouldn't release a product today, a software product without an API, then not all APIs are as good as each other. But that must be quite a big shift for you that's working in your favor in terms of the point Eric makes about build versus buy. Yeah, I think so. It's also the thing of simplifying the problem for a lot of people is very key in terms of you suddenly go in there and you, you get them to the point where they start to understand that actually their big thing of value in their businesses is improving and increasing their chances of success in getting new business and better price business and so on and so forth. And actually the financial process of or taking data through the financial process is not huge value add to be fair, but it's about something that's a necessity to go and do it for all of those reporting pieces. And so it's really about your, your API piece. It is really about the ability to integrate data quickly from all of those different sources into a system such as ours that actually means you're not doing a huge amount of investment every time. So if they need to, to write a new piece of business, they need a new underwriting system to support that. It should be a very seamless process for them to bring that through. Equally, if you get your data model right and something like IFRS 17 comes along or Solvency 2, etc., you want to know that you're in a world where you've got all of that data is already sitting there available to you to go and build out those regular regulatory reporting needs or to go and build out additional you know, analytical pieces for actuaries to do work on. It's about having all of that architecture in place that means that all of that stuff is very simple to do. Um, from that perspective. And I think a lot of sort of competitors in this space end up going and building specific solutions for the specific problem mm-hmm. without a whole view on what does my data sort of platform have to look like that means that I can support this from whatever a regulator or whatever my business throws at me is the next thing they have to be able to either produce or integrate with. And IFRS that's international finance reporting standards. I got that right. So that's accounting standards. So if someone's out there thinking, okay, I kind of like to work with Finsys, I either haven't got the budget or I don't want to go down a whole process of changing a lot. What's an example of a relatively easy access point to start working with you on one of the components you offer? For us, a lot of it is about landing the data. So if they want to go through and that, that it really depends on what the site, what the sort of scale of their problem is and what they need to be doing. So we have situations where people just need to get their data into an organized state and they want to go and have earnings calculated or they want to go and allocate their IBNR down to a 
detail level. We have those. We have other ones where they just want to be able to get all their data into the general ledger. So it'll be a postbox type of implementation, which is pretty simple implementation. We can take that data, we can feed it into a configuration to load it through to a general ledger. And it's done pretty quickly and pretty easily. So it really depends on the scale of their problem. What typically happens is that we end up working with people on a part of that, and then they see how that platform works and what, what it can do. And then you end up working on other bits that they need. And the only thing that I would say with that is that that's actually the way we like to approach all of our projects, is that this isn't doesn't need to be a three-year, multi-million pound sort of setup. It's you have a vision of where you're heading to, but go and deal with it in bite-sized chunks that deals with this problem, get that successfully done. And that keeps the engagement of your own teams up there. It gives you choice along the way if there's change that needs to be incorporated. It gives you all of those capabilities to do that without breaking a three-year project where people never really get what they first thought they were going to get. And you lose a lot of people's sort of interest and excitement along the way because it's a long drain. And how do you explain that return on investment? Because these days, yeah, people are being challenged on making investments and costs. Is there a relatively straightforward way that you can explain to people you invest a certain amount of instances and you can see savings or other returns? I think it's about the ability to scale your business and grow your business. And as everyone knows, that the best way to go and improve your expense ratio is to write more premium. I mean, it's not often actually about cutting headcounts because there's a certain amount of jobs that just need to be done. It, this is about the ability to go and scale your business pretty rapidly when opportunity arises. So at the moment, we've got a very hard market on the insurance side and reinsurance side. And the ability to know that you could actually go and have any new business processed through, any new business lines incorporated, any new underwriting pricing platforms, that data brought through without having a big cost of infrastructure and integration of all of those data pieces is actually a very key thing to giving people that ability to grow at an effective expense ratio. Which is, I guess, back to sort of the origins of Lloyd's being able to be very agile and identify new opportunities and start underwriting it. You can sort of turn the dial up in a certain area and be off writing a new line of business. Yeah, exactly. And I guess collaboration generally is, we're hearing more and more of that. It's really intrigued for us looking at the people we know well and how they're partnering together. I see you're doing some work with uh, Applied Systems and Epic, but how, how do you think about that generally as sort of partnerships and collaboration? Applied is a good example. Applied has a, a product called Epic, and they're one of the biggest front-end systems across the brokerage space. So we've, off of the back of uh, a successful project with NFP, who used Epic, we developed a relationship with Applied so that they can now help us get into you know, all of their clients, everyone using Epic. We know how to extract data from the system seamlessly now. So bringing us into to their other clients is is really a no-brainer for them. And or the brokerage space, we're solving, a, at first we were solving a pretty specific problem around revenue recognition. But as Richard alluded to earlier, once companies realize the the, the power of the platform and all the other things it can do, it's getting their data sorted so that when they have these revenue recognition changes down the line, their data is, is at a place where that's a seamless process for them. Any updates to reporting standards or revenue recognition standards. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about numerical data is 
it's very black and white. I mean, it's, it's either right or it's wrong. Whereas you know, a lot of the information people are using for underwriting, and there's, there's a bit more uncertainty around it. The beauty of what you're doing is, to your point there, you, things like revenue recognition or other ways that people are using the information, you're, you're increasing the certainty of what you're doing. And I guess reducing some of the manual ways people would have been doing it before. And there are still, you know, you still see places where there are mistakes made because of manual processes. Whereas if you have a, a repeating process around how you run allocations or those types of things, you significantly reduce the amount of manual error that can be created in a process. So you've now painted a picture of FinSystem. Thanks for doing that. I've got a good visual of, of how that works. What's the next place people should go to to learn more about what you're doing? So there's a ton of information on the FinSys website. So FinSys.com and then under our case studies section uh, on the website very detailed information about every product and how they actually have been applied in in specific cases and then richard my challenge for you people may take away a few things from this but if there's one thing they should take away what should they remember about finsys i think it's really a case of we do the dangerous word but the boring things really well in terms of this very hard thing about putting in financial systems and people think it's easy and actually, people can make some significant mistakes with the wrong architecture. And I think it's taking on that right architecture and the right brains to go through and implement a solution that is going to work guaranteed first time around. It's a good lesson for anybody listening that's thinking about a new business. The temptation is to go out and look at the, you know, the, the exciting things that are out there. So you've taken on that sort of dirty, mucky problem and, and made it nice and tidy and neat for people. All the plumbing and stuff they don't want to spend too much time working on. I mean, I, I'm very happy that no one else works in this space. They're welcome to go into all of the uh, the sexy world out there of underwriting and pricing and all these bits. We're delighted that you supported Instec. What was it about what we're doing that, as an early stage company, we're still relatively early stage, these choices I know made very carefully. It's really about that whole ability to collaborate and hear what's going on in the area of businesses that are on the supplier side, are sort of similar-ish to us in terms of people who've been around for some a bit longer, some a bit less, but then working alongside with, with your sort of customer base of people who would be customers to us is also very good, so big and small. And it's just really being able to get a bit of exposure on that and hearing what's going on reading the various papers that you write. I think it's just a, a good way to work with the industry. And this industry is very, very collaborative. And so it just makes sense to have, you know, an Instech type piece in the middle of that, sharing all of their knowledge and their relationships across with a number of us. Now, we very much appreciate your support. And you've got Ian and Stuart, the team here in, in London, as well as the two of you over in the US. So if people want to see somebody on the ground, obviously Richard, you're over here quite a lot as well. Good. Well, thank you very much. And um, thanks for carving out some time. Nice to be here over in the UK as well. I hope to see you in New York next time. It's, uh, we love the energy out there. So we'll be back out there. Cool. Thank you. Well, we're delighted to finish this as one of our partners. And if you're wondering how we can help you share your stories and meet your business partners, then please contact me, Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn or any of us. Hello at instec.co. Now, finally, if you are in London on the 18th of July, look out for our next event with Risk Managers. Got some fantastic speakers for that one. Doors open at 4.30 and registration on the website, www.instec.co. That's it. We're done. <laughs>